Hello, my friends, and welcome to Take Me to Eternity. This is the podcast where I look at the things in the world and things coming into the church, and I try and filter it through the Word of God and maybe help you to see it in a different light, hopefully for the glory of God and for your edification as well as mine. Today's podcast, I am going to be talking about self-love, and I've talked about this a lot, um, but I think that there's a lot of points that need to be made, and, um, and we could really spend a lot of time in this. We hear self-love being pushed everywhere these days, and it can be both good and bad, depending on how we do it and what emphasis we put on it. First, I want to define what a secular definition says. The Merriam-Webster says, um, self-love, proper regard for and attention to one's own happiness or well-being, inflated love of or pride in oneself, narcissism and conceit. And we can see just right there that we have both, um, you know, proper regard for and attention to one's own happiness and well-being. And to that, there's good and bad. And we can both say, even in that short sentence, um, we can go too far on either way. Um, Individuals ruled by self-love and selfishness. That's another point. Wikipedia says, Self-love is defined as love of self or regard for one's own happiness or advantage has been conceptualized both as a basic human necessity and as a moral flaw akin to vanity and selfishness, synonymous with conceitedness, egotism, and narcissism. However, throughout the centuries, self-love has been adopt- has adopted a more positive connotation through pride parades, pride parades, through pride parades, really. Like we're supposed to be proud, right? <clears throat> self-respect movement, self-love protests, the hippie era, the new age feminist movement, as well as the increase in mental health awareness that promotes self-love as intrinsic to self-help and support groups working to prevent substance abuse and suicide. And when we look at that right there, we can say mental health is serious. It's super important and we need to, you know, seek professional help if we need it. I mean, we we need to not minimalize it by any means. But spending too long staring at self is not what's going to help us. Um, I don't know anybody that that's helped. And in fact... I have a discussion and a podcast coming up on suicide in the next few months. And one thing that I have pulled from um, talking to multiple people about suicide and the the question of what helped you, the the answer we have all come back to is being other person based. So we stayed alive because we love other people because we don't want our hurt to be on other people, because other people are more important than us hurting right now. Um, and it's, it's important because that is the lack of looking at self, right? That's, that's um, other love, that's other people love. I have to say that looking out for self and being self-absorbed hasn't helped our society at all. It's humanism at its core. 
In fact, suicide numbers only rise the more we look to self for fulfillment. Since self makes a terrible God, we are looking to fulfill ourselves when in all actuality only God can do that. We are made to need him and we're made to need others. And only through him can we be truly satisfied. And he tells us different ways that we can help ourselves. Uh, one of which is helping other people. You know, we are supposed to be servants to other people. And we get um, great satisfaction out of helping others um, selflessly, right? Suicide in itself is selfish as well as self-harm. It's about relief of self-anguish, and it's looking too hard at yourself and your inner core and being too concerned with um, your own happiness. I mean, happiness is wonderful, but we're not always going to be happy, and we need to at some point come to the, the reality that um, we still need to continue on, and people need to take suicide off the table. Um, it just needs to not be an option because... Um, ending life isn't the answer. Um, though I understand in the middle of anguish and all of that, it might feel that way. Um, but that's not what this podcast is about. Drug addictions, the same thing. Someone so self-focused, they care more for self than anyone else. Their only goal is to relieve themselves. I know that sounds harsh, but it's the unfortunate truth. I've dealt with suicide from a point of being suicidal and attempting it, as well as dealing with the aftermath of a loved one succeeding in it, and watching um, loved ones deal with suicides that I've watched them deal with forever. I mean, um, you know, it changes people, and um, it causes great harm even when you don't think that's what it's going to do. Though there can be a vast number of mental illnesses and chemical imbalance reasons for depression and suicide or self-harm in general, it's, it in itself is a selfish thing. Um, yes, we need to make sure that we are ruling out what's going on. We need to get professional help and possibly medical treatments. I mean, you know, um, physical ailments chemical imbalances, thyroid issues. There's a lot of things that can cause depression, suicide, all of that stuff. And we need to take it seriously. But to sit in ourselves and be too focused on ourselves can be a detriment also. Um, it is, definitely needs to not be neglected when we talk about these things. People are entirely too self-focused. Why do you think so many people get clean when they have children or their suicidal thoughts are more under control? It's because they finally care about someone more than themselves. Not saying it completely goes away, just saying after you have children, you have a bigger reason to not do the things because you're more outwardly focused. Other people's feelings become more important to some degree or another. I struggled with suicide for years. Um, I mean, I... It's something that it just, it doesn't just go away, you know, but you do learn how to deal with it and you have tools that can help you. I remember struggling with it when I was very young and I, I don't, it wasn't like a little kid who was embarrassed or, you know, it wasn't like, um, 
something small that I had no reason to actually be very depressed for. I was seriously depressed and it lasted years. Um, it's something that I've struggled with on and on off my whole life. The only reason I'm still alive, I believe, is because I was more concerned with someone I love finding me or how they would feel if I actually killed myself. I was willing to deal with the pain that I felt because I couldn't bear the thought of causing someone else that kind of pain. And that's what I'm talking about, you know? It's not just me. That's not just my testimony. That That's across the board. Uh, I'm not saying it's everybody's, but a lot of people, like quite a few people I've talked to recently, um, that's their testimony too, is that, um, you know, they had to take it off the board. They had to just say, it's not an option because I love other people too much. Um, it's just, I don't know. That's just how it goes sometimes. Um, we have to be willing to deal with the pain and figure out how to get past it. And sometimes that is doing what we need to do in order to find the tools um, so that we can help ourselves. You know, God can help us. He can take it off the table completely, but that's not everybody's um, experience. You know, my experience is not that God just took my depression away. My experience is that he helped me to gain the tools that I needed to be able to function in life and function in a way that um, I have a great life and I I do still struggle with it sometimes, but it's not, um, more often than not, I am happy and I, I just love my life. And even in the midst of the despair now, um, if I get to a point of despair, I have the tools to help pull me out of it and um, the knowledge to understand that it's but for a season. You know, this is, it's not forever. Um, when you come out of it enough times, you start to go, okay. I know that this is just for a minute and I need to just do what I need to do in order to get past it. <laughs> this is totally not even the whole point of this podcast, but this is kind of funny that this is where it's going because it's self-love we're talking about, right? Um, I was more worried about other people and so I, I took that off the table. I decided that um, I wasn't going to selfishly want my pain to be gone um, more than worrying about their pain that I would be leaving them. To say it's selfish is because I know the narcissistic thoughts that spur it. Um, now none of us want to think of ourselves as narcissistic, but I think we all are to some degree, you know. We're built to look out for ourselves. This is how we stay alive, by caring if we live or die, caring about our next meal and our shelter. But self-love really goes further than that, doesn't it? It's the idea that you always need a break, though you are always taking a break, right? Um, if you aren't always happy, you need to look inside yourself to learn why. You always need time for yourself, but you're never actually changed by it. I know people who say they need time every day away from the kids that are gone at school for most of the day. I'm not saying you should never take care of yourself or be alone or any of that, but as humans, we're pretty good at looking out for ourselves. 
we are in general really good at doing things for ourselves before we do for others. And it's easy to say, I need me time, um, when in reality you need to be doing for other people. You need to be um, getting up and, and helping and um, in helping we get great relief from our ailments, our pains, our um, depression. You know, helping others can help us out of that. So, self-love. Self-love can mean neglecting others because we are too infatuated with self. We can neglect ourselves and what's good and true and right because we're so focused on feelings and what we call happiness. Is that really self-love? At what point do we make ourselves do the hard things? At what point do we deal with our own sin instead of brushing it to the side and calling it bad because what is, that's how it makes us feel? Sometimes what makes us feel bad is something that's actually going to grow us and help us to be better in the end. Um, Self-love is loving yourself enough to know you need to deal with the hard parts of yourself. You have to correct yourself in a place where you know you need a savior because you know yourself well enough to know you can't do it all. Um, and it doesn't just go for Christ being your savior. That, that's the ultimate, absolutely. We need to know that we need Christ to be our savior. But sometimes um, I need help, you know? You can't be your own savior. Loving yourself enough to know how detrimental it is when you are self-focused and focusing on helping and serving those around you. Self-love is when we go without because we love others enough to be content with less so they can have more. That's when we know that we are loving ourselves properly to the right extent, when we are also loving other people properly and to the right extent. Um, of course, just like everything, the pendulum can swing too widely the other way, and we can neglect ourselves, but so often... More often than those who are neglecting themselves, they never see the need to love themselves more, and the ones who focus on self are the ones neglecting everyone else. Um, you know, the ones who think that they're neglecting themselves a lot of times are the ones who are overly loving themselves, and they are expecting too much for themselves, and um, the ones who are actually neglecting themselves are completely focused on other people and trying to help them. The more we look out for number one, the more problems we tend to have. The more divorce happens and the more children get pushed to the side, neglected and abused. Let's just say, how about we don't look to the hippies or new age feminists to tell us what we ought to do or not do, since they're some of the most angry and selfish people we know, right? I mean, these people are seriously angry. And I'm not talking about uh, true fem feminism. I'm talking about this weird feminism that's out right now. Does that mean we should hate ourselves? By no means. We are, as believers, a temple of God and ought to care about wellness and health. 1 Corinthians 6:19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own? We're called to care for our bodies. We should not neglect to feed it well and exercise and rest 
but we can't be so focused on ourselves that that becomes our whole focus. Our focus should be on Christ and being servants to those around us. That's what we're told to do in the Bible. Our focus is to be on loving God and loving others. I truly believe that we neglect our spiritual health while at the same time saying that health is the most important. We worry about pesticides and the treatments of the animals that we are eating, yet neglect to check our doctrine for pesticides at the same time. We spend more time looking into the food we put in our mouths and ourselves than we do the people we are listening to or the ideas that we are adopting. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. We are to focus on what it means to be godly. How can we live for God and live the way he intended us to? That's the self-focus we should have. How do I live a life that's honoring to God? How do I live a life that shines his love on others? How do we look more like him? What do we do that's pleasing to him? I think that we make health and wellness something it shouldn't be, just like our warped view of what love as a whole is, which we've talked about before. We should make sure we treat our bodies properly and take time to relax because God relaxed and made it clear we ought to as well. He even said the ground needs to rest from growing food. The animals need to rest. He gives rest to our souls. Exodus 23:10 through 12 says, You shall sow your land for six years and gather in its yield, but on the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow so that the needy of your people may eat, and whatever they leave the beast of the field may eat. You are to do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days you are to do your work, but on the seventh you shall cease from labor, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female slave, as well as your stranger, may refresh themselves. See the wise in there? Why let your land rest for the needs of the animals? We rest so we can rest, but also so others may rest and refresh themselves. I mean, it really is about everybody, right? Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When we come to Jesus and we take his yoke on, on us, he's partnering with us. He is our helper boy, does he take the weight from us, right? It, the weight comes off your shoulders. He gives us rest when we come to him. It doesn't say love yourself more. It says love him more. It says, come to me and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I absolutely love that. Who of us does not need rest for our souls, right? Um, we need to do that by taking his yoke on us and learning from him. I mean, that's a huge part of it. I think a huge part of our rest is found in him. We don't think that doing his work or living the way he says is restful, but it really is. 
There's a balance that he gives us, a priority of goals and mindsets. We are to be heavenly minded and store up treasures in heaven, not on, our, not on earth. He takes the burden on him, and in turn, we can rest in his peace, knowing that he is completely in control and that he knows what's best for us. Now I know life is crazy, and then it gets hard, but that's why he wants us to rest and rest in him, knowing that he takes care of us because he is, he is in control. I mean, he even tells us when it's super busy to rest. Don't forget you need to relax sometimes. Put down the plow and chill. For all the people working themselves to death, sit down and enjoy life too. Keep your focus on God and not on storing up earthly treasures all the time. Yes, money is needed, but I think we think that we need more than we actually do and we forget that God said he will provide for us. Yes, we need to work, but, you know, he provides what we need. Exodus thirty-three fourteen says, And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. So we rest in his presence. So part of our rest is just resting in him. Rest is absolutely needed. Making sure that we eat properly, get enough sleep, exercise is super important. We're supposed to be good stewards of what God has put us to take care of. And one of those things is our bodies, but the Bible never tells us to love yourself more. It just doesn't. I think it's obvious that we care for ourselves too much as it is. I really think that even self-hatred is self-idolatry. It's, it's all this self-focus and people are embracing like personality tests and the me time and the, the look inside yourself and you are enough, all of that. It's just getting stuffed down our throats. The whole idea of you, you can do, you're good enough, you need, you should, I mean, it's really bad. I, we should not be so self-focused. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If we want to lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which entangles us while running this race strong and well, we do it by fixing our eyes on Jesus. If we keep focused on Jesus, he will give us what we need to live this life and do it how he wants us to. It isn't self-love, it is the love of God and he equips us. The Holy Spirit equips us. I mean, if we want to um, run well this race, then we need to be in the word and we need to be learning um, what he wants so that he can equip us that way. I read Allie Beth Stuckey's book, You're Not Enough and That's Okay, back when I was doing Truthfully Awkward with Jesse Goss, and we did a podcast on this very topic. It's a great book and I highly recommend it. 
She wrote it beautifully in a way that many could benefit from. I love how if you study the word, the truth that she speaks are so obvious. It's a universal truth in the sense that it's God's truths being applied to our current society and that it's true for everybody. I also love that she spoke of connections that I had made and it's always nice to know that I'm not the only one who made these connections because if I am, then I'm wrong, <laughs> you know? Um, you're not the only one seeing something. That's always comforting to know that other people get the same conclusions that you do from reading the word. This whole idea of self-love is such a new age idea, which really isn't new at all. It goes back to the beginning, really. Did God say? Did he really say? And you could be just like him. I mean, those are the first two lies and they kind of are a thread that runs through so much stuff. I know you hear me say it often, but it's very true. Um, you know, they, they call that the little God doctrine, the we can be like gods ourselves. The people who say people are born basically good and that we just have to go back to the good that's already in us. And it's a total lie. I mean, there's nothing good in me apart from Christ. And um, yeah, there's no good in us apart from Christ. He is what makes us good. We are born sinners. The Bible says we are born with a sin nature. It says no one is good but God alone. It says that we are wretched sinners, that our righteousness is like filthy rags, and the only way to God is with the righteousness of Jesus. It's only by his atonement, his sacrifice, that we can be in any way good. We need to clothe ourselves in Jesus. We can't save ourselves or be good enough alone. We can't be our own savior. So when people tell you you have it all, you, you have everything you need, it's all inside you, it's not true. It's just, it's not true. I loved how Allie put it in her book. She said, it is trendy narcissism. I think that a lot of mental health, health issues are due to narcissism. Nar narcissism words, man. That's something that I had pondered on in the beginning of really studying the Bible. And then I had a friend call me out on my social anxiety one day. She said, why would you think people care so much? Like, why would people just be paying attention to you randomly? Why would they care how you look when you dance or like how you sound when you talk? And I thought about it for a while. I was like, hmm, yeah, why would they, right? Why would it matter? Why would it matter if somebody thinks I sound stupid or um, I dance funny or whatever? Like, it really doesn't matter, does it? The way other people look at us. It's narcissism. I've always been worried about how I look to others or how I sound. I don't want to get made fun of for what I perceive as my faults. But how narcissistic is that? Like, who cares? Seriously. When I stopped being so self-focused, I started to come out of my shell. I started to realize it doesn't matter what people think of me. I only have one person to impress and it isn't me or any human. As long as I am being who God wants me to be, it doesn't matter what humans say or think. Another thing she said was that self-love and self-loathing are two sides of the same self-focused, self-obsessed coin. We need self-forgetfulness, not self-love. And, you know, Ali Beth Stuckey's book, 
that's just full of that. I mean, it's, it's really great. We as humans are naturally selfish. I mean, we make sure we eat and have the things we need. Most people would look out for themselves before a friend. So many parents spend more time worrying about getting a break than they do spending time with their kids. We make sure that we have before we look to see if other people need anything. When Jesus says that we must love others as ourselves, he isn't saying we must love ourselves first and then we can love others. He's saying, you know how you make sure you have all the things you need? You should care about other people like that. And we do get satisfaction out of that. We do get um, comfort and happiness out of helping other people and um, being selfless, you know? The kind of love that wants the other person to be dry when you get wet. To give someone else the food when there's only enough for one. The kind of love that gives instead of just taking. If we all loved each other that way, the world would be so different. Your life is just as valuable as mine. And if I see you as more important, then I'm going to struggle against my own sinful selfishness to try and make sure you are properly, properly taking care of yourself. God made us to glorify him, and I think part of glorifying him is to show others him by being obedient to what he says and the example he has given. We are to radiate his love to other people. I'm totally working on this one myself. I mean, all of the things that I talk about are things that I am personally working on. I'm not just calling them out because I think other people need to deal with them. These are, you know, convictions that I have and things that I've noticed in my own life also. John 15, 12 through 14 says, This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Love is a command. It's the law. If we want to follow God, it's where we start. Love him fully and wholly. And I don't mean that we are saved by the law. I mean that if we want to um, radiate the love of Christ, we need to know what he commands and we need to be obedient. Um, it's a, we do it out of love because he saved us, not in order to be saved. We love others as we love ourselves. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the fulfillment of the law. God came down to earth and took on human form and served. He said he was showing us how we ought to be to others. Self-obsession is from Satan. His first lies were, did God really say, and you can be more like God. That takes the focus off of God and puts it on ourselves. And I know I say that over and over again in these podcasts, but I think it's so important to see that throughout the different lies in life, the different ideologies that are being pushed at us from society. You know, there's a, there's a million different ways that that is true and applicable to today. The focus for us should be to glorify God and not to try and glorify ourselves, to honor God and not be worried about getting because God is the giver of all good things. When we focus on him, he provides for us. This isn't a prosperity preaching. I'm not talking about new cars and money. I'm talking about him providing what we need when we need it. 
Sometimes it's so much more than we need. And sometimes what we need is the bare minimum. And that's what we actually need at that moment. It, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's hard. Um, but sometimes the bare minimum is what we need for that moment. I've been there. And um, I've learned lessons from it. Good ones that I'm glad I learned. We need self-sacrifice, not to be overly concerned with self-love. We're to be self-sacrificial to the people around us, our family and friends, even our en enemies. Proverbs 25, 21, and 22 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. How hard is that, right? It really doesn't matter how someone else treats you. We are to treat them well no matter what. Our responsibility is how we act and react. In being self-centered, we're going to get hostile to the people who, are, who do things we don't like. Because we will be looking at our own hurt and not the well-being of those around us. We'll get caught in our own feelings and forget that there's a person made in the image of God on the other end of the equation. I know I focus on myself way too often. I know the hurts I have and the things that irk me. I get caught up in my feelings on a subject and too easily forget that person I'm talking to might get caught in the crossfire. I speak truth in a blunt way and not everyone can see the love and the bluntness. Love has to undergird everything that we do and say. At least that ought to be our goal, our heart's desire, what we pray for and strive to be. That's that's who I want to be, is the person that God wants me to be. The one who has the right motives when I am speaking, and at least the people who are going to hear, hear it and hear the love behind it, right? Because not everybody's going to accept it, and that's fine. When we focus inside ourselves, we tend to neglect other people, and oftentimes we get caught up with our own faults which in itself can cause huge problems. It can cause us to not feel like we can be self-sacrificing because we are too concerned with the sin that we have done. We get caught up in the fact that we can't do it all, that we aren't enough, instead of looking to the one who is and putting our trust in him. Sometimes we just can't do all the things, and we need to be okay with that. Jesus wants us to focus on him, because he is all that we need. He is our enough and so much more. With him, we can be who we are called to be. When we turn from our sin, he says he cast it as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't see it anymore, but when we, see, when we just sit and focus on it, when we focus on ourselves, we still see it. One of my prayers for myself is that I see the other person's reasons for the things that they do and not just be offended by them that I love other people the way that God loves them, and that I see his image in every one of them. I don't want to be so self-focused. I want his love more than I want to love my own gratification. John 3.30 says, He must increase and I must decrease. We aren't to be so focused on who we are. We are to be focused on who Jesus is and how to be more like him. When people push the self-love agenda, they say we need it for mental health and wellness a lot of times. They say we need to find the most authentic self and be them. 
We're good deep down and we just need to realize it and embrace it. When we feel unfulfilled, sad, depressed, and anxious, we can't expect to find the answer to those in the same place the problem is. Looking into ourselves or loving ourselves better isn't going to cut it. And I think it's really wrong for people to try and make us feel that way. I think it's setting people up for failure. We need something from outside, from an outside source, something from outside ourselves. Our own yoke is a burden and only Jesus can take that burden from us when we put it on his and he takes ours, right? Our fulfillment can't be found in us or others. It's only found in Christ. He is our sense of joy and our wholeness. We were made to need God. We were made for him and his glory. We were made to do the things that he put in front of us. And by doing that, we will find satisfaction. By, by giving ourselves to him and allowing him to take our burden, that's, that's how we will be satisfied. We are to fill ourselves with God's word, to seek him in all things, and to live as he wants. It isn't about our feelings or even what we want. We are to look to Jesus, not the world, or even more, look like ourselves. That's not the point. We need to look more like him. We think that we can justify our feelings. We think that if we have them, then they must be true. But I'm telling you, the feelings that we have can lie, and they, they often do lie. We can't trust them. They change quickly and without notice. We need to examine our feelings to see if they are even valid or not. Valid literally means ground in truth, just, good, not defective. So many times I have defective feelings. I have to remind myself that just because I feel a certain way, it doesn't make it true. Our hearts are deceptive, says Jeremiah 17.9. We can't trust them. Your feelings may be real, but they aren't always valid. Truth, truthfully, they aren't always helpful either. Jesus is our living water and the bread of life. He is our satisfaction. If we were enough, we wouldn't need Jesus. That's why people search for their enough and can't ever find it. In relationships, in vanity, in yoga, in spiritual practices, Jesus is our enough. We could never be enough without him. People search for experience. They strive for experience, and that's not what is going to give us our enough. Striving for self-love can't help us. I can never love myself enough. Only God can. He's the only one who knows how. After we accept Christ and put our trust in him, we take on his righteousness. Through prayer and being washed by the word, through study and living out what the Bible says, we're slowly sanctified or cleansed of wrong thinking and wrong attitudes. We, we grow to look more like him every day, or at least we should. Galatians three twenty six through 28 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Romans 13:14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. 
that's our selfish things, right? The making provision for our flesh in regard to its lusts. After salvation, we're no longer a slave to sin, though we do still struggle with it in this fallen world. Apart from Christ, we are nothing. I am worthless and have no value apart from Christ. He's my maker. He's the one who gives me any value at all. My value comes from Christ, my Lord, my God, the one I aim to be like, look like, and act like. It isn't about being more like me. It's about being more like him. And that's actually really freeing. The Bible says, cease striving and know that I am God. The point is to rely on him for everything and know that he loves us and will provide all that we need. He is sovereign. He's in control. Our goal should be to love him and do what's pleasing to him. We know that by his word. That's how we find out what's pleasing to him. Psalm 23 shows us that he is the one who gives us rest. He guides us and keeps us. We are supposed to be heavenly minded and not me minded. First Peter, first Peter, first Peter five seven says, "We are to cast our anxieties on Him because He cares for us." John eight thirty two says that the truth will set us free. He is the truth. He has shown us truth in the Word. We are supposed to be focused on Him in the Bible. His truth is the truth. It's the only truth. Another thing that the self-love movement pushes is the whole find your truth thing. You can't have your truth and my truth and his truth and her truth. That's not how truth works. Truth is factual and it's also exclusive. It's full of always and never and unbendable certainties. There's absolutes in it. Truth is absolute. It's either absolutely true or it's not true. A little bit untrue is not true. If you're a believer, you submit to God's authority and you make him the ruler of your life. You put him as the ultimate head and authority and you submit to what he says. You can't both have yourself at the head and God at the head. You can't submit to the God of scripture and the God of self. When we decide that we ought to love ourselves, we have to think, do we love God more? Shouldn't we be putting that effort into loving God to our fullest, and in turn, we will fall into our rightful place? If we obey scripture and follow what God says, the love for self in a healthy way comes naturally. We just have to put God first. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I believe these things are all you need. He talks about your provisions, and if self-love is needed, then he will provide that too. At least to the point that it's healthy. The self-love group says, You do you. Be authentically you. Live your truth. Do what makes you happy what makes you feel good, but that isn't necessarily what's good for you, and it leads people to accept lies in place of truth. Thinking that's the way, being gay, trans, polyamorous, an addict, an abuser, a pagan, the self has a subjective truth. It can change moment to moment and experience by experience, but God's truth doesn't change. 
To truly love oneself is to realize that yourself makes a terrible and unpleasing God, and that your only means of self-service is to look to God, our Father, for our boundaries, guidelines, and power to walk out this life he set before us. People tell us we are perfect just the way we are, but is it true? I know I'm not. I don't want to stay the same person forever. I want to be kinder, more loving, more soft-spoken. I want to be I want to be able to love God bigger and deeper. I want to be the person I was made to be and not the person that I am right now. Not that I don't like myself, but I see my flaws and the way the ways in which I need to improve, and I don't want to hold on to them. If we tell everybody they're perfect just the way they are, they end up accepting parts of themselves that's not okay. We aren't to strive for perfection. God is perfect and we are to reflect the Holy Spirit, God in us, with his fruit as outward displays. The point isn't to search for who we are because who we are is found in Christ. Personalities are subject to change, but Jesus isn't. To pursue knowing ourselves better is to pursue the wind. It will never be done. You will never fully know yourself, but God does. In search of self-love, you find self-idolatry. In search of God's love, you find Jesus in his saving work, his endless strength and his strong hands to hold us up. Sometimes self-love looks like self-hate, because in the end, it's all self-focus. When our hearts are filled with darkness, we turn that darkness on ourselves. We sit in darkness and allow it to shape us and be our truth instead of sitting in God's truth. Not all feelings are true or right, so why feel the constant need to validate them or have others accept them? I don't want to accept lies, even ones I tell myself. In my journey of mental health issues, I have learned to reject things I tell myself is true and replace it with what God says is true. I am not ugly because God created me and formed me. I am not worthless because I have Jesus and he gives me value. I am not unwanted because God wants me. There are so many things that need to be subjected to God's truth. Things I need to be intentional to reject for the truth God has shown me. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshing to your bones. We are not to trust in ourselves, but in God, and the guidebook he so graciously gave us. We are to trust in his word and the sufficiency of it, and him. The Holy Spirit is an amazing guide to help us understand the truth that we seek. James 1.5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Our society is so me-based, they even turn the Bible into what does it say about me instead of looking at what does it God say and why did he say it. Everything gets turned into injecting yourself into the text and seeing how you feel about it instead of looking at it and saying, what does God say about it? You get turned into David and your problems Goliath instead of seeing that David was a shadow of Jesus to come. I am not David. 
I am more like the wimpy army who are too scared to do anything. I have heard it called a lot of things. Meology, Narcissus. No matter what, it isn't helpful. There are so many verses ripped out of context and applied in weird and perverted ways because people want it to say something to them personally. When if they just read it and looked at what God was saying, it would be so much richer and carry such so much more weight. There are a lot of things that talk about us, but we don't need to make it all about us. Society says, in order to love myself, I need to live out my truth. It says, I got an abortion because I didn't want to have to deal with being inconvenienced. I am going to sleep with as many people as I want because I think it makes me feel good, but it's all a lie. We can't live in submission to God and still be the dictator of what we should be doing. We have to step off the throne and put Jesus where he belongs. Our focus as Christians can't be what will God do for us or having more power. We have music that says it's Christian in worship, but it doesn't worship God, it worships self. People who say I'm so awesome, God loves me so much, he died for me because of my worth. Instead of saying God is so kind, that he died for me even though I didn't deserve it. It takes the focus off of us and puts it on God where it belongs. We need to stop trying to take the glory for ourselves. We need to share the gospel with people, the real gospel, as the Bible says the gospel. We need to lovingly show people their need for the Lord and show them the hope that is in him alone. We can't just tell people God loves them just the way that they are because we are putting a stumbling block in their way in the process. We can't expect that our lives are going to be so great that people are going to find Christ just by looking at us. We need to share the gospel. We, we, we need to. It's our job as Christians to um, help spread the good news. You can only do that by actually speaking it. What does someone need saving from if they're so good the way that they are? We need to help them take the focus off of themselves and focus on their creator. The glory is all his, the power is all his, and we need to hear the bad news before we hear the good news. Because though people know that they do wrong, most people think that they're good enough. Most people think they don't need a savior. And if you are going to come to a point where you are going to accept the gospel, you first have to accept that you need a savior to be saved from something. And you need to know what you're being saved from. We're supposed to be so heavenly focused that we are here to be servants for the Lord. We're to be focused on glorifying and honoring and obeying him, love him properly and put, on, put him on the throne. And everything else will fall into place. At least stop trying to take his throne because... It's his rightful throne, right? Believe it or not, there's a link between self-focus and Satanism, witchcraft, Hinduism, New Age. Satan's fingerprint is on all of these pagan practices and false religions. He wants us to focus on ourselves and not on God. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He comes as the good things that sound good and look good. The things that we are enticed by, that our flesh lusts after. 
Satanism says in their nine satanic statements, Satan represents indulgence rather than abstinence, and all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. Satan wants us to be self-focused. He wants us to focus on loving ourselves and making ourselves feel good, but that isn't what we are called to do. What is the Satanist mantra, um, do as thou wilt? We aren't supposed to follow our hearts for it's wicked. We are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's spiritual warfare right there. That's, that's how you combat. Um, <laughs> that, that is what spiritual warfare is. Going up against speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Did you know that? That's, that is spiritual warfare right there. To conclude, in self-love and self-seeking, we are looking to self as our guidelines instead of looking to God. He tells us who we are and who we ought to be. Self-love, real self-love, is accepting God's forgiveness and moving forward after repentance. It isn't self-reflection over and over, self-analyzing every situation you aren't happy with in your past, everything anyone did that hurt you, being relived and replayed over and over. It isn't stressing on how to be better. It's looking to God to help mold you and make you who he wants you to be. That's the better you are looking for. It's understanding I'm not perfect, and that's okay. I can rely on the one who is, who loves me and strengthens me and guides me. The one who created me can also show me how to live for him. Our love should be founded in Christ. And we should be founded in Christ, right? Self-love is selfish, self-centeredness. We need to be others-focused and selfless. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you help us to be more focused on you, to search your word to understand how to be more like you. Help us to be more like Jesus. Thank you for being our guidance and giving us all the resources we need in order to know you and know who you want us to be. Thank you for putting your spirit in us to give us the strength to give out the life you put before us. Help us to yearn to understand you better. Help us to be more concerned with pleasing you. Help us to get out of your way and allow you to shape us and mold us into the people you created us to be. Please use our individual unique gifts and personalities to glorify you better. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.